Kimberly here. This is Macabish, cults, classics, and horrors. We're talking films, series, books, and life, and we're starting right now. Welcome, Robbie Lopez. All right, so we got to let everybody know first that you are quite the multi-hyphenate. He is a comic book artist, a tattoo artist. He was a musician for a little bit, an author, special effects artist. The man makes toys and a filmmaker. That's a lot. But we're still going to start from the beginning. We want to know how it all started. When you were a little kid Mm -hmm. and you started drawing, what was the thing that got you that where you decided I want to be an artist? All right. Well, this is going to make the show right here because it's kind of a long story, but it's a good one. Um, good. The, the funny thing is, you mentioned all that stuff. Uh, and I'm actually uh, I'm also a, <laughs> I've been a tattoo artist for the past 25 years. That's that's originally what I got famous doing in the awesome. late 90s, and early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. and I've been a professional cage fighter for 10 years. Wow. <laughs> Holy cow. All that stuff. Yeah. On top of all that stuff. <laughs> so where it all started was, uh, I, I was always one of those kids. I wanted to be an effects artist when I, when I was young, you know, growing up in the eighties and stuff. And Tom Savini was, was like my God, man. And I wanted to be him. You know, I wanted to do that for a living. I wanted to do practical effects and uh, I was very, very poor, grew up um, really poor, really kind of hard childhood and stuff. But uh, I would draw and doodle and make these little comic strips to kind of escape and things like that, you know. And um, I remember I got a thing in the mail and it said that I qualified. I was like 13. It said I qualified to go to the Tom Savini School of Special Effects, all this stuff. And I was so excited and I was freaking out. I Like I said, I was always the kid that like, when they said, what do you want to be when you grew up? I knew exactly what I wanted to be. Like always, uh, it always shocked people too, that I knew exactly what I wanted to do already. And uh, man, I, I got this scholarship from them and, and all this stuff. And I, it was like hearing that you're going to Disney World or something. I was fucking shaking, freaking out. And uh, as, as I began reading it more, <laughs> even with the scholarship and the stuff I qualified for and the help, it was still going to be like $40,000. Oh, That was more money than I could have ever imagined even existing at that time. That's how poor we were. Um, And literally like my heart fell into my asshole. Like I just, at that point I had no fucking clue what I was going to do with my life. And I just realized that that was kind of a rich kid's game. Uh, being able to go to fancy schools and trade schools to learn shit like that and I had to go kind of do more manual labor at a young age like a workforce if I wanted to have anything so uh, I would draw comics all day long I had all these little sci-fi monster comics and stuff going on off to the side of my desk all through school Um, and you're supposed to be taking notes I had a notebook under it I would be drawing and then when teacher would come around I'd flip over and look like I was taking notes well, uh, my art teacher at the time was a teacher's assistant in other classes like social studies and stuff that were extremely boring. And uh, she she was on to me. She knew what I was doing. So she always uh, kind of pushed me and pushed my art and stuff. Um, I would I would throw away my projects when, when I was done with them because I really had no place to take them. You know what I mean? We didn't need more bullshit at the house and no one really cared. Well, one day she um, pulled me aside and she's like, I want to show you something. And uh, she took me back into the teacher's closet and uh, she started kissing me. (laughs) It was crazy because I got got the biggest erection for uh, a teenager. (laughs) No, I'm just teasing. Uh, That was me. I was going to say, I can't figure out if if you're being sarcastic at this point. Please, God, be a joke. Yeah, right. (laughs) I mean, it sounds like the opening of an adult feature, but then it became one. This is what happens when you when you interview directors; they start getting into the moment. No, um, yeah. <laughs> she was really old and really, really sweet. She was awesome. But what she showed me was she had gotten all my shit over the years out of the trash and had it back there, like a little shrine, and told me that I was fucking awesome, basically. Uh, and you know, no one had ever told me that. I always kind of like hid my drawings and stuff. It was something I just kind of did almost therapeutically. And um, 
you know, she started taking me out on Saturdays and uh, taking me to print my my little comic strips and put them into to magazines. And then we had these cool little like shops around town that sold, like had a bunch of local zines and stuff. They, they had hair dye and buttons and patches and shit. They weren't exactly a music store, but they had music. They weren't a record store, but they had a couple records like uh, these kind of lifestyle places that bands would play like free in-store shows at and stuff at the time. So they started like these hip cool places started uh, carrying all my zines, you know, I was like 14. Um, so after about a year of that, I got a letter from Kitchen Sink Press out of San Francisco, which was a really big deal at the time for lowbrow stuff and, and the art, artsy fartsy scene uh, for illustrators. And I was a big fan because I followed, you know, Robert Crumb and all that kind of stuff uh, from a young age. And anyway, they, long story short, they, they wound up um, having me do an adult comic form at the age of 14. You had to be 18 to buy it. Um, and I did this comic. And I got the first paycheck for that. And I moved out and got an apartment with two 30-year-old dudes <laughs> that were losers. <laughs> and uh, and um, basically, they would have me uh, draw tattoos and shit for them and their friends. And they were going to get them tattooed. And I would get these checks and expendable money. And I finally was like, I'm going to go check it out. So I went and had a blast with those uh, crazy CD biker prison type uh tattoo artist dudes that were all steroided out they took me in and uh it was crazy because um i got my first tattoo and i went back the next day and got another one and then you know i just never kind of left and after about a year of working there i immediately went to the best place in town and worked there for like nine years and i traveled all over the world japan canada europe and stuff studying and tattooing and it's pretty wild and then to to look at things now and i make movies and do special effects and i still tattoo like i owe a lot of that to tattooing but it just kind of found me uh so yeah that's where it all started you think you have shit figured out and life says nah man fuck off try this Uh, i could have easily sold drugs or or did shady shit like my cousins but most of them are dead and in prison and stuff now so i'm glad i was always the artist glad i I was more creative than following the pack you know you asked what my first film was that we did Mm -hmm. so our first feature film is kind of the story of our our company like uh, starting our company we started as a comic book company okay and, and it took off and I always had ambitions of film, but I thought for some reason animation would be our thing before actual feature films. Mm-hmm. So uh, upon starting the company and, you know, getting the comics out, places, getting that going, that, that was like a tremendous amount of effort and stuff. And, and to be crazy enough to be like, all right, now we're going to make some animated adult movies, like adult horror movies, but are animated, you know. Uh, wow, how ambitious looking back. So I thought that would be easier than actually using real actors and cheaper. So after about three months of that and realizing that you got about seven seconds worth of digital movie done and it costs, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars and and 90 days worth of time. And everyone was like positive, like, oh, man, that's a lot. Wow, we're kicking ass. I was kind of like, oh, my God, this shit's going to be like millions of dollars for like a 45 minute TV series, you know, like that comes on weekly or whatever. So I was like, okay, let's write. You know, I'm a writer. Let's write to what we have instead of our imagination, like we do with comics. And let's let's just go out there and start making feature films. Fuck it. Let's let's start with a very humble kind of idea and let's use what we have, what we could attain and. And let's let's you know put a lot of passion into it, and so we did Texas Death Trippin', and um, it it won a bunch of awards at Stoner Festivals and stuff like that. It's this road trip horror comedy, and uh, being as naive as I was, we actually went on a road trip, guys, on the road for two fucking weeks wow. uh, with nineteen people. Yeah, just like how they did um, Vacation, National Lampoon's Vacation. That's like the only other movie that they actually went on a road trip and filmed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking back at the film, we could have easily just filmed all of the, the forest stuff in a local forest and saved tons of time and money. But it was something all of us will never forget. It was a bombing experience, you know. Mm-hmm. But we shot in everywhere from Kansas City 
to Oklahoma, to New Mexico, to Texas, to Arizona. Like, it's fucking insane. Like, it was insane. I had people, like, with places for us to meet up and, like, you know, and have food and shelter for us and we could use, you know, their yard for this or their house for that. And it, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. But so after getting that little bit of even just cheesy B-movie kind of verification that we were on the right track, like we just hit the ground running from there. And uh, and we did Head Cheese Next starring Richie Ramone. And, uh, and it was a really ambitious film, a really great idea, a cool story, really neat looking monsters in it. But it was a nightmare of a disaster to film. Like, and, and you could tell that when you watch the movie, like, the movie is what it is. It's a fun, cheesy, like, B-movie. But, like, the quality of it is, like, so inconsistent because of the problems that we had. You know, we replaced three different sound guys on set during, like, it was crazy. We've, we've never had to kick anyone off of a movie set except for on that movie. And we had to kick multiple people off <laughs> for different shit. It was just wild. That was wild chaos, but... If it wouldn't have happened, then me and Richie wouldn't have had the bond that we have now. We're like really close friends. And uh, he's been in other films I've done. And I got to film his music video for Cry Little Sister. It's out on YouTube. It's really cool. It's a great song that he does. Um, so yeah, so, yeah. so basically after, after we did that, I did a shit ton of shorts and a bunch of series work for uh, everyone from pjs and pixels to trauma and i did some set design stuff for a couple warner brother movies um i did a stint of like uh you know guest appearances on like uh like theo vaughn and a bunch of like podcasts like that and talk shows and we put our focus on the production quality going up that was going to be our big thing with our third feature and uh that's called born to raise hell so we finished this movie where well, we filmed it in 2020. We finished it in 2021 and I sold it immediately because it was such a jump in value in production value. Like it looks great. It sounds great. The acting's great. The editing's really cool. Like, and it's a serious movie. It's not the other two were kind of silly stoner B movies. This is like a, a dead serious thriller. Okay. Um, yeah it was, so we you know and that's how my brain works it's like okay we, we've scratched this itch and now we have something to prove like let's put out you know this idea and this movie it's a 1966 uh, period piece about a serial killer um and that's about all i'll give you anyway so it's coming out september 26th like everywhere pre-orders are up for it now uh it's coming out on wild eye releasing but that's how crazy this shit works is we filmed it in 2020. We were done in 2021 and it's just now coming out uh, September 26th this year. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's, and meanwhile, Protégé Moi that I'm putting out myself, uh, we're just self-distributing it through our company. Like we've been negotiating with, with other companies, but I don't know. I, this is like uh, my baby. It's our uh, steampunk medieval fantasy horror vampire film. Richie Ramon plays the Vampire King. This comes out on Halloween through our website, uh, physical copies, and then it'll come out to streaming rentals, uh, of course. But it's it's wild. It's a lot of fun. We've got a, a video game for cell phones coming out for it at some point. And really? Yeah, this is wow. a real. It's like a Masters of the Universe type thing, but with boobs and vampires and blood, and <laughs> it's, it's very imaginative. But I'm telling you, it's our, it's like, if the Mandalorian didn't have, like, you want to see a cheaper version of something like that, but with vampires, you know what I mean? Like, right. we put a lot of money and a lot of time into it, but sadly, it's not fucking, you know, with all the state-of-the-art shit that that is. Uh, but for us, it's it's like really impressive, you know? A um, mm -hmm. couple early review people compared it to, uh sin city-esque and stuff like that and like i get that that was the stylization kind of we were going for um but like like that concept is there you know what i mean could you mm -hmm. imagine if you had like a quarter of the budget these big companies do and, and we don't have backer we our backers are fans they're friends and fans and family like uh we don't have some crazy investor or something to let me run my fantasies out you know so a lot of this is people just 
but uh, you know, p- other people like see the heart and the time and everything and my drive and what we put into it. And they do a lot of stuff pro bono, you know, um, like Josh Wisey, Wising, mm-hmm. he does a uh, nightmare force. He's like one of my, you know, I do effects for all of our movies, but I like to get other people involved too. You know what I mean? As an artist, like it makes it funner. So sure. uh, he gets down on a lot of stuff with me too and does characters and shit like that and throws down when he can. Um, and it's all just for love and because he believes in our company and stuff. Uh, Rashad Santiago from Face Off, same type of thing. Um, you know, so it's pretty neat. Like, that's all I ever could ask for is that kind of mutual love and respect from people rather than, you know, if we don't have the shit tons of money for stuff, we're going to make up for it with TLC and a lot of effort and time. And, and you know, it just depends on what we're going for, too. Like, some things we, we want to have that kind of schlocky 80s feel. And then, you know, some of the moods I've been getting into with the newer stuff we're doing, I, I'm getting a really nice contemporary, serious kind of approach to it. So like Cult of Blood, we're finishing up now. We finished it in 2021, I think. It stars Dave Sheridan. He plays uh, Doofy from Scary Movie. And he's in a bunch of stuff like Devil's Rejects and Bubble Boy. And uh, him and Felissa Rose from Sleepaway Camp, they like star in it. Like they literally, they're not, it's not some cheap cameo quick thing. Like they're in the 90 minute movie. Uh, it's one of the funniest movies he's been in since scary movie like his fucking character is hilarious man and he just chews the scenes up he's really he was very hard to work with he was very hard to work with and he's a good buddy of mine so it was a surprise because like we're we're good friends but we'd never worked together he's super hard to work with but (laughs) it was at the time, I didn't think it was worth it. Like, I was mad and stuff, you know? And then I got to editing the film, and I'm like, I had to call him. I'm like, you're fucking genius, dude. This is, this is, I've never laughed this hard editing because you get kind of sick of the shit over and over, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get kind of blind to it, and you're like, I don't even know if this is good anymore. <laughs> I just right. got to, like, make sure that all the technical stuff's as sharp as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with that movie, man, like we're still finishing up on it. You know, we got about two months left. Uh, and that's how cool it's going to be, the production on it. Like I could have farted all these things out, like, you know, two months after we were done filming them. Um, but no, like Strange Toys, River Beauty, Cult of Blood. The, we've been taking our time because there's things in there that we don't want to look like shitty. We want it to be really neat. And uh I've learned to spend time with just because I can get it done fast and get it out. Um, that works with the silly shit, the silly mm-hmm. schlock stuff, and it helps engage our audience and grow it. And, you know, and and it and it feeds it feeds that. So I believe that's very good to to almost train, you know, to use the train. But with your features, I have a whole different approach now. And if we don't hit the budget we need, then it's then I'm gonna you know it's gonna take me longer. But right. I'm not gonna do- shit it out like amityville in space or some shit with the <laughs> you know what i mean like right. like or the james balsimo movies like they don't they fucking use green screen and they don't track anything or like what is that like a little kid could do that you're not even doing the effect properly like i just i hate that it takes me out of the whole thing and when right. i see that unless it's supposed to be like that mm-hmm. and with movies like that i appreciate it but i could only watch those so much you know that's true you know, so you can't just use that as some crutch. Like, no, it's supposed to be stupid. Like, come on, man. <laughs> then why is 45 <laughs> minutes of it in a fucking spaceship that looks like shit? You know? Like, <laughs> like, get someone creative. They would have probably helped do it for free, for God's sake. You know, so I don't know. I, I tend to never go for the low-hanging fruit. Uh, I, maybe I'm an idiot, you know? I mean, I am getting older. Maybe shoveling my own pathway uh, this whole time you know, has been just to wear myself out. Maybe, maybe it leads to nowhere, but fuck, it's been fun. It's been hard, but it's also been fun, you know? Well, that's maybe good though. If you're going to do it, else... it should at least be fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe someone else will see that and they'll come fucking finish shoveling the way, you know, when I pass. Right. I talk like I'm old. I'm, I'm not that old. <laughs> but I, but that's how I think. You know what I mean? I think in the next like 30 years, 40 years, not like, you know, a couple months or whatever. Yeah, but you've been grinding hard for a long time. I bet you kind of feel old. 
I've I've never had an option not to, you know. I hear um, that. Like I feel like idle time is like my worst enemy. I could be making something that could bring someone some happiness one day and bring me some monetary value. So sure. that's why I make so many toys and shit. And and I don't know if uh, if you caught this from looking at my stuff or not, but like I just got back from Chicago with mm -hmm. uh, Rose McGowan, Jamie Kennedy, and all those guys had a had a great weekend. But that's what I I made stuff just for Chicago and to go promote our films. And um, I made props and shit to sell just for that weekend. And then I think two or three weeks before I was in Florida. Like, it's like I also do the convention circuit mm -hmm. <laughs> while I juggle all this other shit. Um, but we're four weeks away, almost exactly. Tomorrow is one month away from filming Critters, All You Can Eat. And that's why you're all here. I here. ordered one of your little critters, the little baby critters. I'm so excited. I think. <laughs> adorable those little fetus guys i mm -hmm. think they're so cute i made some hand puppet ones for close-up shots so he could be cooing and shit it, it, it's our baby yoda <laughs> that, that's so awesome it's this, it's, it's this movie's baby yoda you know what i mean i wanted mm, to nice. be, it's that ugly cute weird you know and it's gonna be fucking cooing and all adorable and shit and then all hell breaks loose it's gonna be great <laughs> i read that you did special effects, but I didn't, and, and you made toys, but I didn't know you were like knocking them out for conventions because you know, I know somebody who has been uh kind of easing his way into making movies, Carlos, <clears throat> and he's oh, always yeah. looking for you know effects, and you know, oh, it's expensive. Yeah. And we yeah. just want to know travel. I got a, a buddy, and we'll go, we're about to drive to New York to do effects for this guy's movie for a couple days. That's no awesome. Way. That's the thing, too, guys, is I help out so many other films, and I don't even say anything about it most of the time. Like, uh, I've been ghostwriting for about a year now for these for a couple big Hollywood studios. Wow. You'd, you'd be fucking amazed at the bullshit they're having me write. They think people are just so stupid. It's so weird, man. But, like, I'm the type of guy, like you said, I'm always grinding. Like, I will wash your car if there's some money involved, <laughs> like, because I go towards my projects, you know? Right. So I have a problem. If you're going to pay me, I'll write whatever bullshit. But it is so, <laughs> it's so contrived and like outlined like things that you have to put in there. It's weird, man. Yeah. I'm just so glad that nothing like that I care about or love is like that. I would I would never work for a studio like that unless they complete freedom. So that means, Good yeah, luck. right. Yeah. Yeah, right. Never fuck off, pal. I'm just but, saying, I just mentioned uh, Carlos is making a little zombie mm -hmm. movie and he might need uh, a little few effects. And he, he's, yeah. if you in Canada, when he's trying to make it, I'm, I'm not saying <laughs> anything, but I'm just saying. No, <laughs> what I could do is I could, uh, I, I could send him a big old box full of fun shit that, that could help and he could use, you know? That would be amazing. No way. Nice. Yeah, That's it, super cool. It, you know, where you just got to glue some shit on some faces and even do some full face masks so that people could just wear oh, a bit. Fuck. Oh. Give you <laughs> body parts and shit. And, oh, but yeah, amazing. sadly, you won't have none of the, you know, blood rigs or exploding shit like that that I could do if I was there. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. some cool creature effects over to you for sure, man. That's yeah, awesome. That's yeah. yeah, that's awesome, man. I appreciate that. Mm hmm. And anything to help out but yeah so i'm always like um you know obviously I, I do that stuff for money but a lot of it I, I also just help people and then once they have something finished you know i usually can help them find a place for it and things like that too very cool i'm pretty nifty with the things that i've learned thus far you know what i mean so mm -hmm. I, I don't mind sharing them when people reach out especially if it's something that doesn't suck you know right <laughs> right that's yeah. awesome yeah that's the saddest thing for me is when I like someone, you know, I met them online and stuff. We're going back and forth and like, oh man, we're, we're totally vibing. And then they send me some of their stuff because I do. Yeah, it's the worst. The crude crib anthology. So I'm always looking for some good shorts and stuff that could, you know, join the next uh, volume. And oh my God, man, there's mm -hmm. some really bad stuff out there, guys. Like it's hard. It's hard yeah. to I believe it. I like that guy now. Like he's gonna wonder why I'm not using this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you need I another writer, Chris up. is a writer. I'm just not. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying since you're here. 
you know, uh, since, <laughs> since we're all here. I've, all, I've, I've always um, wrote, you know, definitely my my items. I always create them by myself and write them. And and in Cult of Blood was the first time I reached out to my buddy Newt Whalen. Uh, he has schlock and awe. And um, I knew that he he was pretty funny and stuff. And, and I liked some of his writing. It, it's a bit more shallow than mine, and a bit more kitschy and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost, to the, almost to the point where I don't care for it in some spots. But I knew that with that movie, because we had such a big main cast, that I didn't want just myself controlling all the characters. I wanted to have some cool back and forth. There's like eight main characters in it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like, I think it makes sense to fucking pass this back and forth with Newt so he could come up with some good shit and we can mm-hmm. riff, we can riff, you know, they could actually talk and not just like delve out the plot like robots to each other. They could actually, you know, hang out and go back and forth. So I enjoyed that so much because then I get it back and I use what I want in it, and, you know, take out this and that. I enjoyed that so much that we co-wrote Strange Toys together after that which stars uh the greasy strangler michael st michaels and frankenhooker patty mullen it's her first since uh, 1986 and she's in it she plays two different characters in it wow it's it's like garbage pill kids but rated r oh my god yes (laughs) strange toys this meteor hits a dumpster outside a toy store and fucking this green ooze shit leaks with broken toys and garbage and makes these five little fucking crazy toy things that are, you know, the owner of the place is a kind of a failed magician and toy store owner creep and he uh, takes them in and yeah. Anyway. <laughs> and I put that on my list. Wait a minute. Yeah, so that's gonna. It sounds out. like garbage pill kids too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. That'll be out around Easter, um, twenty twenty four. But so we co-wrote that, and I liked that, and then so we went ahead and we co-wrote um, River Beauty. On that, I didn't like a lot of the stuff that he wrote on that, but I really liked the way he handled the attack scenes and the way he painted the picture for him. So I got to give him his flowers with that. I didn't use a lot of his dialogue stuff because it seemed too young for some of these hillbilly characters to me. It was a little too hip. Um, so I kept my my stuff with that, but I definitely used a lot of his... Uh, yeah, I'm always looking for someone. Like I said, we do the ghostwriting stuff too. And uh, sometimes it definitely helps getting someone else involved. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome. You're on a Troma series, Mulligan's Monsters. Y'all still doing oh, yeah. that? Yeah, I did the majority of those episodes. Uh, no, I, I believe uh, something happened with uh, uh, Troma and Mulligan, and they had some falling out or something. I uh, oh. I hadn't gotten paid. I'll go ahead and talk about it now. <laughs> I hadn't gotten paid for about three years, and uh and didn't get my trauma diploma, none of this shit. And I think in 2020 alone, I, I created like over 26 or something, you know, productions for the company. And then they have two of my movies on there. And then I did like 10 more series things. Uh, so I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, well, then, you know. Uh, yeah, what the fuck? How do you not have a diploma yet? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So, you know, it's always like, oh, it's in the mail, this and that. So. I cornered, um, I cornered Lloyd a couple about a no, well, it wasn't a year, a little less than a year ago. We were at a show together. I cornered him <laughs> and was like, "Hey, where the fuck's my trauma diploma? Where's my money?" <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Checks in the mail. Yeah, he's like, just give me an email. He goes, what, what do you need your trauma diploma? I said, well, how many fucking things do I need to make before I earn a trauma diploma, dude, or or get paid for one of them? And it turned out to be a, a big, you know, obviously misunderstanding and this and that. He, he had gotten a couple new um, uh, assistants over that time. And it turns out that's who I had been emailing. You know, we, we exchanged numbers, like actual personal numbers and personal emails. And man, within a week or two, everything was fixed. And I oh. love I love Lloyd again because it was breaking my heart because as a kid, you know, seeing trauma, that was a Mm -hmm. big inspiration. And 
I could never dream of actually meeting Lloyd when I was a kid, let alone doing a movie for Troma, let alone all the shit and working for him like that. So it, it was one of those things that like I, I had this chip on my shoulder for the longest time about it. Like I was pissed. And uh, you talk to a lot of people and they, they all have a hard time getting paid from just about any of these online fucking platforms. None of, yeah. them, are tra- none of them are transparent. You know what I mean? You got to hound them like crazy. Uh, just like the thing. While our movie's coming out on Wild Eye, Born to Raise Hell in September. And I know that the pre-orders are doing good. I know the whole thing's like been doing good. And uh, they've got like a horrible rep for never paying people too. So I'm like, well, you know, do what you want when the contract expires. You know, I've learned my lesson. So mm-hmm. hopefully they do right. I always think people will do you know the best. But a wise man told me, you want to know how to make, uh, you know, a little bit of money in, in the movie industry? I said, well, how? And he goes, start with a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I always yeah. thought, well, that's a cynical, bitter way to look at it. God, you know. <laughs> but uh, no, I get, it. I get it. I get it now. I get it. There's so yeah. many men and people just waiting to jump out and, and you know, try to extort you. It's It's wild. It's really wild. Yeah. So I'd hate to inspire people to to do things the hard way like I have. Hopefully, you know, everything works out for your movie or um or you just appreciate other people's movies, you know. Sure. But um but yeah, it, it's it's a wild ride. You definitely got to love it. You got to be passionate about it and you got to be kind of a people person to some extent if you expect people to give a shit. Okay, so why critters? Well, I personally have always liked the little monster movies, you know, Puppet mm-hmm. Master, Critters, Gremlins, Hobgoblins, all that shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that monster, Alf, like I, I had all that stuff growing up. Uh, Critters is great. <laughs> Our movie, you know, I just seen the love. I started making them because it was a fun kind of therapeutic thing for me. Um, and I made about 10 of them a couple years ago and took it to a show. And mainly we would just sell comics and DVDs and a couple of my little horror movie paintings and shit maybe some buttons and stuff uh at these shows and i started bringing a handful of these little handmade polymer resin like items i would sculpt that were kind of like big action figures but you know were collectibles they would break if you dropped them type thing Mm -hmm. so uh i made some critters about 10 of them one time and before the show even started all of them got bought by other vendors there oh wow I looked at my buddy and I was like, I think I'm on to something. So I was, you know, me going back home that trip on my car at right, the next show, I'm going to have 25 of them. I'm going to make a bunch of them, you know, doing everything the hard way. So I hand make like 25 of them. And before the first day of the show's over at that one, they're all gone. I'm like, okay, there's people who fucking love this shit. And that was a show in Texas. So I had a long drive back home. I thought, God, I really don't want to try to make 50 or 100 of these things one at a time by hand like this. But that's also what makes them cool. You know, that's why people are attracted to them and they're going so good. That and I was selling them really cheap for the effort put put forth. Like the prices mm. are pretty even out now. But so I, I thought on the way home about how to re-sculpt it and make a sculpture and then make a mold of it and then kind of like have, you know, have something a little bit more streamlined that didn't have so many steps so instead of like 30 steps it has like 12 which is still a lot but Mm -hmm. (laughs) so then I was able to start bringing like 40 and 50 of these things and people started you know uh, talking to me about them and my buddy Jesse Hobson he said you should do a Critters fan film because he's seen it he's seen the reactions of people um, buying them at a show once and just telling stories about it you know and, and I was like yeah I really do love them that would be pretty fun and easy for for the most part you know we handle a lot of little puppets and shit anyway and I make that stuff and I could get some of my buddies involved and you know this and that and it just kind of snowballed into this it's it's way bigger now as humble as it is and and stuff as it's going to be and this and that but it's way bigger now than I thought that everyone, I, I didn't realize so many people would identify with it. I would have never thought that we got Eddie Dezen uh, in it. And this is the first, even it's it's just a cameo, but it's the, like the first thing he's did since Polar Express. Like he's really into it. Like, um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's pretty cool. I've never worked with him before. Now we have a bunch of stuff planned and then we talk all the time. And, uh, so it, it's great. And to get him to, to reprise that character, because so here's the thing with Critters All You Could Eat. It's kind of like the whole Halloween Texas Chainsaw Massacre bullshit. It's a it's a 30 plus year kind of legacy sequel. So our movie picks up after the like 35 plus years after the second movie. Okay. All right. So the third and fourth movie, fifth movie, or whatever the fuck. Um, aside from the fetus, the little baby fetus critters being referenced, because that's how they looked in four, I think. Um, or, yeah. Things like that. Like we take from the lore mm -hmm. and put it all in this one. But it basically is like, you know, Eddie is now the CEO of multiple hungry heifer chains instead of just the manager. He's, <laughs> <laughs> he survived the second movie, you know what I mean? So that was great for us. Um, we, we almost got Scott Grimes too, but I didn't feel like it was important enough to do what we needed to do to secure Scott Grimes for people to recognize him or really care too much. Right. No, no, you know, shit on him, but he stays working. Like, he's mm -hmm. been great. And to me, I feel like I could just get some local guy with the red beard and have him eaten in the restaurant and someone might be like, hey, that, that kind of might have been a reference or a little Easter egg to the, the red haired kid from the movie, you know? Right. I feel like we would have got the same like 10 people that would have recognized that as if we had the real Scott Grimes be like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. You know I mean, he doesn't look like a little boy anymore. <laughs> Like just a random red hair guy great actor now. <laughs> but so um what's neat is so we're, we're taking it from that and we're modeling our critters with our own little unique twist but kind of off of the chioto brothers critters 2 designs i think that's the superior look um and we're adding a little bit of our own lore to it and expanding on it a bit like our bounty hunter gets a new uh, new blaster i always thought the blasters were kind of weak looking in the movies um mm -hmm. but they're iconic you know what i mean right so so we have to have a reason why it's getting upgraded but it kind of makes you feel like we take from all these different things that that we love and we think that people who also like critters movies love you know so you get that feeling of you're getting briefed you know by the the supreme you know chancellor or whatever and you're getting your weapons upgraded and stuff like that kind of makes you feel like you're gonna start a mission type thing so there's a little bit of that in there. And, you know, you've got your Zanti. That's his actual name. Zanti figure, which is like the supreme, whatever the fuck, the whatever you want to call him, the boss of the bounty hunter people. Mm -hmm. uh, his actual name Zanti. And he's like some type of intergalactic, you know, federation superior guy. Um, I just call him like a grand supreme for sure. You know, anytime I'm dealing with sci-fi stuff. But so you got him. So that kind of symbolizes this good guy, even though it could be kind of anti-hero, but it's this positive energy in the, uh, and this is some, we're getting into some fucking sci-fi dork shit right here, guys. Okay. <laughs> Don't forget, you know, these are aliens from space. These are aliens from space. Right. So, uh, so we've got our kind of light side, our good guys, you know, our bounty hunters, even though they're not like, you know, that good, but they are good. They're, they're fighting for humanity. They're trying to capture these little critters. Uh, so it only makes sense. And this was Josh's idea. Josh Weisling, uh, effects artist. We were riffing and he's like, the one I'm going to design, I want him to be so gnarly. Like he survived all these battles and all this shit. So we started riffing him and, and basically there's a fucking emperor like a supreme crite that's like a like a like a, a senator palpatine type like dark force like cloaked fucking little crite that they take their orders from uh <laughs> he's all like half mangled up he survived crashes and battles and shit um yeah so it, it, it's gonna be a lot of fun just really really fun is he gonna be giant though like He's going to be normal size. Uh, there is going to be a couple big critter ball scenes in it. There is not a, a, any, as of right now, any giant critter action in the movie. I will say that. Well, because isn't there, like, I don't, I can't remember from the first one, but isn't it like the more they eat, the bigger they get? And it's like, yeah. Yeah, so he's like first... a battle, battle hardened, like emperor or whatever, right? Right. I would imagine he'd be like 20 feet tall. <laughs> right. 
but but if you recall, I forget the dude's name, uh, but the Sith guy, the little half dead one in the newer Star Wars movies, it's kind of like referencing. Oh, okay, you know okay, I mean? yeah, yeah. Like he's powerful and shit, but he's all mangled up and like fucking. Yeah, happy. yeah. Um, he got stunted early on yeah. <laughs> from some battle damage. But, but you're right; it's crazy because the first, the first movie, the more they ate, the bigger they got, and you got the big one for the big finale. The second movie, they kind of did away with that. I think they mentioned yeah. a couple times, but none of them get big. They do the critter ball on that one, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then yeah. through the rest of the series, they never ever fucking got bigger when they ate. Um, so it wasn't a big priority for me, even though it would be much easier ha- than having all these people do puppet work, having one dude in a suit, you know, for a finale. That would have been a big load off my chest. And that might be something that if this continues to do good as we're getting closer to filming it, I, guys, I want nothing more than this to do so well that we're forced to also set up another shoot date to get even more long. You know what I mean? To make it feature length and to... Mm-hmm. Because any yeah. that would be amazing. That, since this is a SAG, uh, a SAG approved like production for a fan film, you know, anytime we do something like that and we get it closer to, to uh, you know, ninety minutes and whatnot, it it starts opening up a lot of doors. This is a very, um, a very unique IP. Uh, mm-hmm. Two of the, two of the most latest you know contributions for it were fan projects that got picked up. So it, yeah. it's like it, it could do probably something there's a chance that it could do something more than just going on to youtube for free you know that would be um, amazing and so i would love to have to shoot more of this and to mm-hmm. have a giant twitter in it and some more of the surviving uh cast members uh d wallace isn't far from me and she's a but no she, way <laughs> crazy but she's not cheap you know what i mean uh, yeah for sure yeah and this is a franchise that that she's aware of her presence in. You know what I mean? So like, like she's a sweetheart. She would do it for free, but her agents and stuff they know that that's not how you work. So, <laughs> so I would want nothing. What to about, keep doing good. What about Don Keith Hopper? Like, have you looked into him at all? Like, obviously you probably did, but is it who? not possible for who? Don Keith Don Keith Hopper, the uh, the bounty hunter, fucking Barry or whatever. Oh, Charlie, yeah. sorry, Charlie. Charlie, Charlie. yeah, he, um, he's. I did look into him. Uh, he's living a pretty normal life right now. Oh, okay. I think cool. that he's he's uh, he would. I could probably talk him into it, but I I waited. Um, but when I when I secured Eddie, then I I had debated on reaching out to him. I was stalking all of his stuff and seeing what he's up to now. <laughs> And he's just a normal blue collar dude now. He's got uh, yeah. working. And, you know, he's not. Yeah. He's always a crazy looking guy. He's aged looking even crazier. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Just because every time I think of Critters, I think of Charlie, right? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, me, so. For sure. For sure. And I, you know, when I talked to some agents and some people about him and stuff, they said, you know, he. He might not be doing the same as as some people, you know, that have their their mind and stuff. Yeah. Now, you know, yeah. I looked at his stuff. I didn't get that impression, but I got the impression that someone that's moved on from that life. You know. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And I and once again, I weighed like, is it worth it? Is people gonna realize that's Charlie? Or are we gonna have to write in a whole thing where people keep saying? Charlie's back. It's Charlie. <laughs> well, I'm looking at a picture of him now. I'd recognize him. It, it's in the right. smile, man. Right. It's in those teeth. <laughs> but, but yeah, and that's the thing is if if we we get the budget we need or even you know and and over, that's where I start pulling out everyone I can that's alive and offers to. Yeah. At least get him a little bit, a little something in there. Mm-hmm. Sure. Even if he just pops up on a on a on a screen as a bounty hunter and, and gives some lines, that would be cool, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the sheriff from the second movie's still alive. He's he's pretty damn old now too, but he's got his wits about him pretty good. Um, Eddie's people were kept telling me to reach out to him, reach out to him, but I'm like, well, I don't. We got to see what kind of budget we're working with here, guys. Mm-hmm. Right. Whatever. You know, involved in a you know eighty-five year old guy. I'm not gonna fly him out here and like 
you know, they need a little bit more special treatment. Uh, it takes a little bit more. And we, we've got a small crew on this. We're doing this all, you know, with passion. Yeah, yeah. This is different than when we do our feature films, which it's still a small crew, but this is literally like just volunteers and fans and stuff with it, making it happen. Right. That makes uh, sense. And then someone told me Mick Garris wants to talk to me about it. And I was like, wow. What? I, no way. What? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, bring it on. Let's talk about it. You know? Mm-hmm. Sick. That's awesome. We can squeeze a little cameo of him just even reacting, uh, you know, at, at a, when the restaurant scene happens would be great. Is someone eating a fucking burger? That would be cool. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he wants to interview me about it, if he just wants to ask me why I'm doing it or what the deal is, but I guess he reached out to uh, Eddie's manager and said that he would like to uh, fucking have a little talk with me, like a meeting. Mm. Right? I was just like, wow, I didn't even think about that. And he's mm-hmm. like, he's like, you should ask him if he fucking wants to like contribute something to it. I think right? That- right yeah because well, i guess he asked him and he's like well what the hell no one reached out to me about anything yeah <laughs> like well it's just a fan film and he's like still like like so he seemed like he you know, cared a little bit so i'm like that's cool mm-hmm. fuck yeah. send me send me some molds or anything like we'll take anything you know critters is beloved though the last two offerings were so just didn't scratch that itch man mm-hmm. and, right man, that's true uh, the the movie, the old school movie, leading off from those didn't scratch the itch either. It was one of the more boring ones. So it's like uh, we've been waiting, you know. And, right. And I, that's why Critters Two specifically resonates with a lot of people. Is it's a fun one. That's a fun mm-hmm. one. The first one's uh, the family is so good. D and everyone, they're such good actors. Like it's a more serious one. Mm-hmm. It's kind of scary, dare I say, you know. Uh, the second one's like got the got some great horror. It's got these endearing parts. They fucking it's funny. It's funny. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I think people yeah. really identify with the second one a lot. Oh yeah, man! It's like that's the one. Like anybody that mm-hmm. likes critters, it's part two. Absolutely. Yeah, DiCaprio couldn't even save part three. So. <laughs> True. <laughs> but we announced that it was that it got the SAG. Uh, you know that was eligible or whatever or approved uh one of the production guys is like holy shit now we can get billy zane and leonardo dicaprio involved (laughs) (laughs) i was thinking more eddie but okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah i didn't realize how big of a deal eddie is uh you know, he was in Greece in 1941, and it just goes on. Oh, yeah, on. big time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All those Cartoon Network shows for years. Mandrake, what the fuck's his name? From uh, Dexter's Laboratory? Mandark. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I don't know. You better ask everybody you can, especially, you know, your fundraiser starts doing pretty good because mm-hmm. Horace is having this crazy revivalism right now and everybody might decide i want to go back into acting why not right yo i would i would i would talk to mick garris sooner than later if we can get him to just mention it it would do it would change our yeah yeah. system so that would be cool critters 2 was his first movie and he's a horror nerd right like i'm sure he's super proud of that movie Here's what's crazy, the, that Xanti uh, creature makeup that they did, he, he made his wife wear that. Like, that's his wife. <laughs> that's hilarious. She was like 40 pounds and she couldn't see out of it and all this stuff. And so I look at the design and we're making a Xanti too, you know, and I'm looking at the design and I'm like, well, this is a hand puppet. This could be like a, a three foot tall puppet. And we got mm-hmm. two guys work the arms and one guy worked the mouth and eyes and stuff. And uh I'm like, well, this will be an easy build, and I'll just make it like this and that. And then I started <laughs> looking at the old movie. I'm like, what kind of? Why didn't they just do this? Why did he torture his wife for like days? Under <laughs> <laughs> all that makeup, I mean, it literally has the same effect. It looks like a goddamn puppet because she's so covered. Because then you can put her in the credits and say, "Hey, that's my wife." Right. <laughs> he appears on screen too, so it didn't have to be any size. It could have been a fucking miniature or anything. It's so funny. He's <laughs> like, "Oh yeah, you want to be in the movie, honey? Okay, that's right. <laughs> we'll keep you busy, so I can." Yeah, we'll put you under thirty pounds of latex, and there you go. You're doing good. We're gonna take. You- <laughs> 
That's hilarious. Well, if you do need a giant crate, I'm six foot two, and my secret dream job has always been to be the guy in the Godzilla suit. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is super amazing. I'm really, really glad you can make it on. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I love talking. If you can tell, let me out of my dungeon to talk to people. <laughs> That's what's great about doing these conventions. Is is uh, I'm one of these weird personalities that likes to be by myself and focus and create something for like months at a time. But then the gratification is to get around a whole bunch of people and tell them about it, get to show it finally. The big like mm-hmm. that's where I get the reward. Uh, so it's like I'm kind of both personalities. I want to be left alone to create, but then I want to fucking like party and hang out, and be social as shit. <laughs> <laughs> Once it's finished, you can see it, you know. Right. Well, it makes sense. You're in the film industry. Mm-hmm. You need people. You need people yeah. to watch it and be excited about it. Yeah, so you got to keep that shit in mind when you get really into um, editing all your own stuff. You end up getting really in this fucking like dark cave kind of zone where you work, and then you go put like eight, nine hours in after work working on this stuff. And it's just after a while, you realize you haven't really interacted and things like that. You start questioning yourself and what you're doing. <laughs> and then your stuff finally comes out. And at that point, you know, you really are pretty gray about it and confused until for me until I'm actually sitting in the theater that first couple times and watching people watch it. Oh man. And then if they laugh and stuff or they like it, that's, that's my reward for uh, mm-hmm. eight months or 10 months of editing or not knowing. And at the whole time you think you're the biggest piece of shit loser, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And what am I doing? No one's going to like that. <laughs> So that really helps like uh, getting that interaction with people and uh, and seeing how movies and different stuff really affects them and they enjoy it. It's really cool. Um, and then also once you get yourself onto streaming and shit, then you get all kinds of like, you should kill yourself. You suck. You're fucking- oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, fuck me for wanting to make a movie and being creative. This is the number one place for macabre cults, classics, and horrors. For synopsis, reviews, and news, go to macabish.com. Thank you for listening. Signing out until the next one.